On this episode of Faith and Focus, I want to talk about a, a proverb that I really like, that I that the message uh, I think is very poignant, very important to talk about, but I want to branch out from that proverb and discuss other issues like uh, human evil and God's responsibility to human evil and why sometimes God gets blamed for bad things that happen when really he doesn't have anything to do with the human evil and the bad things that are happening. So those are the issues and topics I would like to delve into on this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, if you've been a listener of Faith and Focus for a while and have enjoyed what you've been hearing, I would love it if you would consider becoming a monthly supporter of the ministry. As a missionary within faith, my work is entirely supported by listeners like you who believe in the work God has called me to do, and podcasting is just a small part of that. I also teach the Bible at my local church and the ministry house I live in and with the young men God has put in my life to disciple. I also do biblical counseling that is entirely donation-based, so your monthly support goes in part to help support counseling sessions for people who may not be able to afford any or all of the cost of counseling. And with your monthly support, I would be able to go on to full-time ministry, which would include more podcast recording, new podcast ideas that we've had, and different forms of online teaching, as well as more availability for counseling sessions. If you'd like to become a monthly supporter, you can email me at dennissotherby at infaith.org or head over to infaith backslash dennis-sotherby. Thank you. Well, I just recently wrote an article on my Substack that you can subscribe to by checking out the show notes. The link will be there. I try to write at least once a week, maybe a couple times a week over there on that Substack, Faith and Focus Substack. Um, but I wrote over there about this verse that in the book of Proverbs that I, I guess I should give some background to it. Um, I have been studying the Proverbs for a while. I've been writing some things on the Proverbs for a while and try to read a chapter of the Proverbs every day. Um, sometimes I don't always get to it, but, you know, I, I try to get to a chapter a day. And I've been fortunate to be able to teach through Proverbs the past several weeks at uh, my church on Sunday mornings. And so I've been studying it a lot. And in studying it, I encouraged the people in my uh, Sunday school, the adults in my Sunday school, to try to read the Proverbs in different translations. Because things do get lost in translations. And if there's anything that a proverb is supposed to do, it's supposed to come across very clearly and really pack a punch. And they're supposed to almost sometimes be funny. They're supposed to be witty. And they're supposed to make you laugh. And they're supposed to stick with you. So you're always reminded when you're about to do something foolish. Oh, wait a second. There's a little nugget of wisdom, a kernel of wisdom, that will help me avoid the foolishness that I'm about to engage in. And they're supposed to be readily called to mind. But sometimes 
our translations um, I think muddy the water because they are a little too um, old-timey, Bible-sounding, which I know sounds bad to say about a Bible verse. You kind of want it to sound bible But um, sometimes I think the, the the punch of a proverb can get lost. And so the, the, the verse is Proverbs 19.3. And so I want to read it in the most biblically-sounding way, Bible-y-sounding way. So I want to read it to you in the King James Version. It says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Now, okay, it, you know, it probably doesn't take too much to try to delve down into what that proverb means. You can probably figure it out. You know, a foolish person has, you know, the things he does, kind of steer him off course, perverteth his way, cause him to do, you know, evil things, whatever, and, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. So I, when I think of fretting, I think, you know, you're stirred up, you're, you're maybe discontent, you're, you're worried about things, you're, and so, you know, you're, and this is directed at the Lord. So, okay, people um, go off track, and they seem to be upset at the Lord about it. I mean, you can kind of read that and, and get that. And But I was reading through the message, which I always like to tell people, I do not recommend reading from the message. I'm sorry, Eugene Peterson. It, it's, it's, it's not a translation, and it's barely a paraphrase. It is, you know, at best it's a commentary by Eugene Peterson, and he's basically rewriting the Bible in his own words. Sometimes he gets it right. Sometimes he gets it so far off that you just think, how in the world did you ever get this? But you get some insight into what Eugene Peterson thinks. But some of them, because it is so stripped down in common, common English, the Proverbs can benefit greatly from it because you're like, holy cow, that's a very funny way to say that. And this verse in particular was just, I was just like, this is great. You know, I, I clipped the image of it and shared it on social media. It's so good. Proverbs 19.3 in the message says, People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? And it's so proverb, proverbial. That it's just, and that's one of the things about the Proverbs, right? You hear it, and as soon as you hear it, you're like, that's truth. It, it, it's just true. And it almost doesn't need to be explained because of just how true it is. You know, a a foolish person, a a, a person ruins his, own, his or her own life because of the stupid decisions he or she made. And yet somehow God always seems to get blamed for it. And so you reflect on that, and we just reflect on our culture and our society. And that is, it is the most commonly asked questions, just coming from camp, you know, young kids. This is one of the things they always seem to question. And people tend to think like, oh, man, you know, Christians never, Christians never seem to talk about, you know, why is there bad stuff in the world or why is there evil in the world? And I just always wonder who are you listening to? You're apparently not listening to Christians talk because that's all Christians talk. That's all, that is all religious people talk about is suffering, evil, where it comes from, why it happens, when is it going to end? Why is God allowing it to happen? All, I mean, that's, that's almost the purpose of religion and, and, in Christianity is answering those kinds of questions. So I think a lot of that is uh, posturing by people. They don't want to, they, they don't maybe like the answer. 
of the problem of evil and God's response to it and God's role in it or our role in suffering and evil. So they just like to just kind of shrug it off. And like this verse says, they like to make uh, foolish decisions and like to live their life however they want and still have the, uh, the, the back door to blame God for the problems that arise. Um, and, and that's just a human thing. That's, I'm not trying to pick on anyone in particular, partic- pick on specific people. I mean, this is true even, you know, even in the most godly person's life. You know, there's that temp- tendency there to live just our life and go through life and then bad things happen and we immediately question, well, God, why did this happen to me? And I actually heard someone the other day talking about how rarely do we ever ask those things. We rarely credit God with positive things that happen, right? You know, you, you, you buy a lotto ticket and you scratch off, you know, and you win $500 or whatever. And you just never think, God, why, why me? You know, why did you allow this to happen? It's like, <laughs> great, good fortune for me. But if we were to lose $500, oh God, why did you allow this to happen? You know? So he gets kind of the blamed for all the bad stuff, rarely gets credit for the good stuff, which, you know, God is God. He's got broad shoulders. Uh, he, he can take it. But I do think it's, you know, incumbent upon us as uh, creatures, the creation, to give glory to God and to give the respect and awe and reverence that's due to him. So, so, I, so I think about this. I think about, you know, why do people make foolish decisions and then blame God for it? And, and it just seems like, you know, there are some things that just happen. You know, creation is groaning under the weight of the fall. Some, you know, th- things just, bad things just happen sometimes. You know, a tornado will, you know, drop on someone's home and, and you know, r- just destroy their home. Okay, you know, well, whose fault is that? Well, it's not really anyone's. Um, you know, maybe you can tell someone, well, you shouldn't have built your home in a place called Tornado Alley. And you wouldn't have had to deal with tornadoes, but that happens everywhere. I mean, you you live in Florida, you get hit by a hurricane. Well, maybe you shouldn't have lived where there's hurricanes. You you know, you live in Hawaii, and a volcano erupts and lava's flowing through your living room, and you think, well, maybe I shouldn't have lived in Hawaii. You know, there's natural disasters happen everywhere. But nine times out of ten, bad things that happen to us are just a result of bad decisions we've made. And I know that's a really hard truth to accept, which probably is an indication that it's true. Uh, reality can be a hard, um, reality can be hard to accept. And so if something is hard to accept, it's probably because it's true. And so, I mean, you know, I don't want to like pull out examples and make anyone think that I'm picking on them in particular, but you know, I'll pick on myself. Um, you know, I've got a family history of heart disease and, and diabetes and, you know, I can continue living my life. My first 35 years is, you know, I, I do not go to the gym as consistently as I should. I don't exercise as consistently as I should. You know, I order a double cheeseburger when I should order a cheeseburger, you know, all these different things. Um, and thankfully I'm, you know, I have not been afflicted by any of these uh, congenital issues that, are probably lurking under the surface, but as of yet, but you know, if I hit 55, 60 years old and have a heart attack and find out that I have heart disease and I'm borderline diabetic, you know, is it right for me to say, well, God, you know, why did you do this? I'm suffering. And you know, I, I, it's God's to blame. Now, when I get a diagnosis from the doctor of, you know, 
you know, you're, you got to have a bypass surgery or whatever. That seems like it's a sudden thing. So we want to try to find the most kind of proximal cause to why did this happen? Well, God's readily at hand. So let's blame God for our problem. And rarely do we, do we reflect back and say, okay, well, how did this happen? What choices did I make that led me here? And that's a long road of bad decisions leading you to that, to that point. So, you know, even when, when things that do happen outside of our control, typically foolish decisions made it worse. So, you know, a tornado drops on someone's house and knocks their house down. Well, and then you find out that they didn't have home insurance you know, they didn't have maybe renter's insurance if they're renting their place. So it's a total loss. They lose everything. You know, they didn't have health insurance maybe and someone got injured. So now they're crippled with $250,000 hospital. But, you know, whatever. You know, you can rattle off all the things that happen. And, oh, God, why did this happen? Well, you know, stupid decisions made a bad situation worse. Um, and, and so that's a hard lesson to learn. And that's true of poverty. People who struggle under poverty and then they're more apt to turn to vices. You know, we sometimes wonder, like, people in poverty, man, why do they smoke? Why are they drinking? Why are they wasting money on lotto? All these kinds of things. Well, those are vices that tend to afflict people because they, they want an escape. And we as humans t- want, want those escapes to make life a little bit easier. Well, pop, people in poverty turn to those things. And th- that's foolishness. That's, you know, stupid decisions. That's foolish decisions. And then so somebody who's in poverty can't seem to get out of poverty and then they get lung cancer and, and then it's all God's fault. And it's like, well, where in that chain did God play a role? Um, those, those decisions, every one of those decisions were decisions made by you as an individual, right? So um, again, it's very human to bad things happen and we don't look to the stupid decisions we made. We like to blame God. So the other thing too is, tied to this related to this is you know this issue of why is god allowing bad things to happen you know you know people make stupid decisions and bad decisions and evil decisions and you know why does god allow that to happen and you kind of have to reflect on this a little bit and and take this proverb extrapolate it out to every single person on the planet and we've got you know seven and a half billion people on this planet all making stupid foolish sinful decisions, of course, that's going to affect, you know, everyone and we're going to be all connected by our, by our foolishness. So we kind of wonder, you know, why, why do bad things happen? You know, why did this child, you know, get sexually abused? Why did that person get murdered? Why did that person get drunk and, you know, drive and, and, you know, cause a car accident and cause someone to be crippled, you know, paralyzed? You know, why do, why do those things, why did God allow those bad things to happen? Well, in the book of Amos, um, I, I love the book of Amos because whenever I hear the name Amos, I think that just sounds like an old farmer, doesn't it? And it it's just my, my, my grandpa Amos, who was a farmer, and he was a farmer. He was a sheep herder, so it's like such a fitting name. And uh, he's a prophet, one of those minor prophets in the Old Testament that you probably don't read because you get to Isaiah, and that's a long book, and then you get to... Uh, Ezekiel, and you think this is bizarre, and then Jeremiah is another long, and you just probably skip to the book of Matthew or something, and you skip all those small minor prophets, but Amos is in there, and he opens, I won't read the whole first chapter, but I'll give you a 
a flavor of what he's, he's kind of talking about. So this is Amos. He's an Israelite. And um, the Israelite people are seeing all of these uh, nations around them sinning, causing um, destruction. And so Amos opens by saying, this is in chapter 1, verse 3, this is what the Lord says, the people of Damascus have sinned again and again. So Damascus would be a city in Syria, uh, north of Israel. And they will not go unpunished. They beat down my people in Gilead as grain is threshed with iron sledges, so I will send down fire on King Hazael's palace, and the fortress of King Ben-Hadad will be destroyed. I will break down the gates of Damascus, slaughter the people in the valley of Aben. I will destroy the ruler of Beth-Eden, and the people of Aram will go as captives to Ker, says the Lord. So that's, yeah, we like to hear that, you know. These people in Damascus, you know, they're treading people down, and they're, they're uh, threshing them like wheat, and, and they're, they're causing all this destruction. God, why are you allowing that to happen? And God's saying, I'm not going to, I'm going to step in and stop that. Okay, great. Verse 6, this is what the Lord says, The people of Gaza have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. They sent whole villages into exile, selling them as slaves to Edom. So here's this people down by the coast, Ashdod and Ashkelon. These are these Philistine places. Gentile, you know, human trafficking, selling people as slaves. They slaughter people. They destroy people. Uh, and, and I will turn and attack Ekron. And Phil, a few Philistines still left will be killed, says the Sovereign Lord. So that's great, yeah. These Philistines, they're causing all that, you know, all this bad stuff that's happening. The Philistines, you know, they're the problem. So God, you need to step in and destroy those people. God's okay, I will. The people of Tyre have sinned again and again. So he, he punishes Tyre. The people of Edom, verse 11, have sinned again and again. They, I will not let them go unpunished. So you can imagine the Israelites saying, yeah, you know, God's really getting those people. Uh, this is what the Lord says. The people of Ammon have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. So he, he goes against the people of Ammon. You go into chapter 2. Same thing. The people of Moab have sinned again and again. I will not let them go unpunished. So you can imagine the Israelites saying, yes, you know, why does God let evil people go unpunished? And God says, well, I'm not. I'm going to punish, you know, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the people of Ammon, all of these people. I'm going to punish all of them. And then verse 4 says, this is what the Lord says. The people of Judah have sinned. So, right, this is the southern tribes of Israel. Send again and again, I will not let them go unpunished. They have rejected the instruction of the Lord, refusing to obey his decrees. They have been led astray by the same lies that deceived their ancestors. So I will send fire on Judah, and all of the fortresses of Jerusalem will be destroyed. Yeesh, I don't like that. The Israelite, the northern tribes of Israel are probably saying, Okay, God, I mean, you started wiping out people doing evil, and man, now you're getting a little close to home. You're going to the the people of Judah, and, and then he says in verse uh, 6, the people of Israel have sinned again, and I will not let them go unpunished. They sell honorable people for silver, the poor people for a pair of sandals, they trample helpless people in the dust, shove the oppressed out of the way, both father and son sleep with the same woman, corrupting my holy name, their religious festivals, they lounge in clothing, their debtors are put up as security. So he goes to this whole laundry list against the Israelites, and now the Israelites are, are, are have that canon of God's wrath turned against them and so that's that's this this lesson that we have to consider that god is a holy god and he views all sin as you know going against god's decree of like you know don't dishonor the sabbath to god that's a big deal was a big deal to the israelites um he didn't like when people in gaza were selling people in slavery he didn't like when the Israelites violated his Ten Commandments. So he's a holy God. And 
is obligated in a sense to judge evil and, and to punish evil. And what those first two chapters in Amos are telling us is the Israelites, you can imagine, saying, God, why are you allowing evil? You should punish evil. You know, I'm upset at you, God, because you're not doing um, justice. You're not judging these people who are committing evil. You're allowing evil to flourish. So God starts marching down the line, wiping out the these murderers, the sex traffickers, all this kind of stuff. And then he starts getting to the Israelites and the people of Judah. And so I always like to tell people who think, well, why does God allow bad things to happen? Well, the proverb 19.3 says, well, a lot of the bad stuff that happens is because of your own stupidity. And the stupidity of other people. The evil of other people. The sin of other people. That's why a lot of bad stuff happens. Well, why doesn't God stop it? Well, okay, God could. Well, let's 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 throw God a bone and say God's going to step in and stop all people who murder. Okay, so God steps in, right down the line, stops everyone from murdering, whatever. He overrides their free will. He wipes out anyone who committed murder or will commit murder. He wipes them all out. Okay, well, that's nice. No more murders. Okay, well, God, what about people who who rape people? You need to you need to stop them. Nobody likes a rapist. So, okay, God goes down the line, wipes out everyone who commits rape. Anyone who will commit rape, he wipes them out, stops it. Okay, well, we got no more murders, no more rapists. Well, God, what about people who, you know, rob rob and steal? These, you know, criminal uh, people. We need to stop them. Okay, so God steps in and, you know, just like in Amos, he wipes out the Philistines, he wipes out the Ammonites, he wipes out the Moabites, you know, he down and down the line. Eventually you get to the point to you, the one who thinks, well, you know, I might do some stuff, you know, lie a little bit or, you know, whatever. I might, you know, be a little lax in my glory to God and I don't really worship God like I should. And, you know, it's not bad though. I'm not a murderer or rapist. Obviously those people are all wiped out. Well, if God's going to go down the line and start stopping anyone who does evil, eventually he's going to get to you. And at that point, we say, well, God, you can't, come on, this is not fair. Well, it's either God steps in and stops evil, or he doesn't step in and stop evil. Or the third option is God is sovereign, and he stops it when he chooses, and he doesn't stop it when he chooses, and that's up to him. Um, it's either it's either that, or he doesn't do it at all, or he does it sometimes. And, uh, and, and the other thing, too, is people... People use that as an excuse. Well, God doesn't stop people from doing evil. So I'm not going to follow him. Well, we have an example in the Bible where God did step in and stop everyone from doing evil. Think of Noah and the flood. We have an account in the Bible where everyone was doing evil on the planet. And God said, all right, I'm going to come in and I'm going to start restart this whole or- ordeal. And he sends a flood and wipes out everybody. Now, how many people do you think that are in the camp of, God, you allow too much evil, so I'm not going to follow you? How many of them are too happy about that? Do you think any of them would say, oh, wow, you know, God wiped out all evil. I guess I'll follow him. No, typically that same spirit says, well, I can't follow a God who would step in and stop all evil. 
really what we mean is I don't want a God who steps in and stops my evil. I want a God who will step in and stop other people's evil or the ones that I want him to stop. You know, God, you can kind of step in and be my personal little Batman. When I see bad things happening, you can just kind of step in. I'll send up the bat signal. You can, you know, fire down some lightning bolts on those people and, and we'll call that good. Um, we don't like that freedom that we have to act foolishly, act sinfully, and have to suffer the consequences of it. We don't like uh, we don't like that system. So what we do is we ruin our lives by our own stupidity, and then we always blame God for it. Kind of a raw deal for God, but like I said, He's a big God. He's got broad shoulders. He can handle it, but God will ultimately deal with the problem of evil. And I am thankful that I am on his side because of the work of Jesus Christ. Because, boy, I still do evil. And I'm just thankful that God, because of the work of Jesus Christ, has dealt with that. And, um, Lord willing, I'm continuing to grow, avoiding foolish mistakes, and... um, and hopefully uh, receiving mercy from the Lord. That that would be a good thing because I certainly don't want to be in that line of uh, of judgment, <laughs> you know, as he's going down the line from the Philistines to the Moabites to the Ammonites, then to the people of Judah and then the Israelites. Um, I don't want to be in that line. So why do people ruin their lives by their own stupidity and then blame God? Well, it's awfully convenient to live in that camp. Uh, so hopefully that's... Uh, you know, helpful. I know those are kind of some random thoughts. Maybe they don't seem all that connected, but I do think they are connected by this human spirit of wanting freedom to do what I want and to shift blame to other people and ultimately God when bad things happen. And it's a very human, um, a human condition to do that. We see it all the way back in the garden with Adam shifting blame to Eve, Eve shifting blame to the snake, um, and God um, having to judge and deal with that. So that's the episode for today. I would encourage you, read the Proverbs, occasionally read them in the message, and um, discard the ones that are foolishly translated by Eugene Peterson. Have a good day. <laughs>